Jamal's uh, third or fourth job is also being a jazz pianist on uh, smooth jazz radio, and so you can go uh, listen to him anytime, and uh, it'll be great. So, hey, um, if you were to look at a person's phone, you would find a number of apps, and you can learn an awful lot about a person by the apps that they have on their phone. If you were to look at my phone, you would find a picture of my daughters. You would find an entire section dedicated to the various sports apps that I have. I don't know if you know that or not, but I enjoy sports an awful lot. There's another app that's dedicated entirely to the various fantasy football teams that I have. And there's also a section in there for news, weather, and, and banking, and things like that. And also my Bible app is on there as well. And for those of you that are wondering, because I get lost all the time, my Maps application is very readily available for me, and I use it quite often. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that if you were to continue searching on my phone, you would find another app that is rather interesting, and perhaps you would scratch, scratch your head saying, why is that on there? A number of months ago, actually probably about a year ago, Kevin Whittier and I were talking, and he was looking at this particular app on his phone, and I was trying to figure out what it was, and it's an app called Quake Feed, and it is, and I said, what is that? And he says, this shows me every single earthquake that's going on in the world, and it, it just tracks everything. And so I said, that is really cool, and then he looks at me, he says, you do know you don't live in Arizona anymore, and that we are in an earthquake zone, don't you? And so I immediately said, oh, I should get that app then. And so that app is on my phone. And as a matter of fact, as I was scrolling through to, as I was working on the message this morning and scrolling through that app, we have had in the last 24 hours over 50 earthquakes worldwide. Now granted, we don't hear much about them because they're very well below the surface, but there's still earthquakes going on all the time. Earthquakes shake people up literally and figuratively. This particular area was struck by an earthquake a number of years ago during, during the World Series, and it was crazy. And, and, uh, and, and there are different times that, that when those earthquakes happen, it definitely catches our attention, and it causes us perhaps to evaluate things in our lives. I bring this up because we come to this last section in Haggai, the last four verses in the, in the book of Haggai, and God talks about shaking things up. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2, and we will start by looking at verse 20. We read these words, The word of Yahweh came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the powers of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares Yahweh Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares Yahweh, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you. Desire, declares Yahweh Almighty. Father, we pray now as we come to this time of looking at your word, we pray that you would do a great work, that you would shake us up, 
that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see, open our ears that we can hear, open our minds that we can understand, and open our hearts that we would be open to you in such a way that we say, do the work you need to do to help us pursue you and live for you. We pray that no one would hear anything that I say, but only what it is that you want them to hear. And in all of this, that you, Lord Jesus Christ, would be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As you take your time, as you take time reading through the Bible, you will, you'll notice at the end of every book of the Bible, there seems to be almost this summary of what the author has been talking about previously. And, and there are these different points that they definitely want to get across to people. But you'll notice something different in this particular ending in Haggai's book. What Haggai is wanting the people to understand, and more importantly, what God is wanting them to understand as he wraps this up is, you need to remember my presence. You need to remember my presence. You notice this. Notice what happens here in verse 20. It says this, the word of Yahweh came to Haggai a second time. A second time on the 24th day of the month. For Haggai and the Israelites, it was very important to remember his presence. And the reason being is because we, and and so often we forget this, the people are in exile. And from what I can gather as I've read through the Old Testament, this is the only time in the Old Testament where we find God visiting a person a second time on the same day. That has significance. It has significance because here's what struck me as I was working on this, was this, was that Haggai was available. He was available, not just the first time that day that God talked to him, but he was available the second time. And in essence, Haggai seems to be saying, it's you again. What hits me about this is, number one, Haggai's opening to God's timing in his life. And what's convicting to me, which I believe could be convicting to all of us, is this. Is that we get so busy in our lives that if God were to show up a second time in a day in our lives, would we even notice? We schedule our lives so very much. So we schedule it from the time we get up till the time we go to bed. When people come up and talk to me, they say this, and, it, and it's, it's a line that, that I've heard so often. They say, Pastor John, I know you are incredibly busy. My immediate response to that is this. Everybody's incredibly busy. It's not just me who's incredibly busy. You are incredibly busy. I've talked to many of you about this. You are the busiest retired people I've ever met in my life. Those of you that are retired. But everybody in this room, whether you're retired or not, you're busy. You're going from one activity to another activity. You're going from this to that. You're worried about you're picking your children up at this particular time so they can get to this particular event. And while you're doing that, you're making a phone call, talking to people to make sure that dinner's going to be prepared and all this kind of stuff. It is a flurry of activity in all of our lives. We schedule it from the beginning to the end. And what concerns me is this, is that is it not possible that we schedule God right out of our schedules? That we're so busy that if God were to show up a second time in a day, we wouldn't even notice. 
Haggai was available. He was available not just on a Thursday night at family night, and not just on a Sunday morning when we gather for worship. God is at work all the time. Have we not become so busy that we think that only God, that the only times that God can show up are on a Sunday morning and a Thursday night at family night? I submit to you that we need to slow down. That we need to slow down, that we need to pay attention to God's presence in the midst of our lives. He says this, tell Zerubbabel, governor, this is verse 21, tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. It's impossible to read through these particular verses and not come away with one very obvious thing. And it's this, that even though God's people are in exile, even though it looks very bleak for them, even though all these transitions are happening in their lives and they're rebuilding the temple, even though it looks like they're not going to make it through, God's confidence never wavers. Notice how many times he says, I will, I will, I will, I will. God will get it done. And God could have done it a whole lot easier than using humanity, but yet he chooses to get it done. He says, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Ottoman Empire, the Mongolian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Han Dynasty, the Soviet Empire, the Roman Empire, the Indian Empire, and Southeast Asia. I could continue listing all these different empires that have risen throughout the history of humanity, and every single one of them has a common destiny. It came crashing down. There is only one kingdom that endures forever. It's one kingdom and one kingdom only, and it is the kingdom of God Almighty. His kingdom has no beginning. His kingdom has no end. All these empires can rise up, but they will all come crashing down eventually. And so God is speaking to the Israelites and he's saying, yes, I see that what's going on. Yes, I see the progress that you're making. And yes, I see that perhaps you think it's overwhelming and you're not going to make it. But I want you to know this, there will be a day where this will be overturned, where the Romans will be overthrown. And it's interesting the words that he uses here. He says this, I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall. This is language that the Israelites knew rather well. They knew it so well because it brought them back to something significant that happened oh so many years ago. Listen to these words, excuse me, listen to these words out of Exodus chapter 15. This is right after God brings the people out of Egypt. Then Moses and and the Israelites sang this song to Yahweh. 
I will sing to Yahweh, for he is highly exalted. Notice this next phrase. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Yahweh is my strength and my, de- my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand... <clears throat> Yahweh was majestic in power. Your right hand, Yahweh, shattered the enemy. God references back to the Exodus when people were wondering what was going on. Could they make it? And he references back to the Exodus to remind them that God's presence is still there. No matter what the trial is, no matter what the heartache is, God's presence is still there. I invite all of you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77. And as you turn there, I want you to know this, that no matter what the trial is that's going on in your life right now, that you're experiencing in your life right now, God's presence is still there. He's with you. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. Have you been there before? Have you been there where you're crying out in the middle of the night, seeking comfort, and there is no comfort? That's what the psalmist is experiencing. And then he says this, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. Notice he doesn't say, I remembered you, God, and I offered up songs of thanksgiving and praise. He says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. We've been there. Perhaps for some of you, you are there. And for all of us, there will be a time when we are there. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. You feel this, this, this tension. You feel this anxiety. You feel this, this, this unrest that the psalmist is experiencing. It's just like us when we're in the middle of the night and we awaken for some reason and we can't go back to sleep because all these different things are on our minds. Happened to me this la- this morning at 3.30. I was having a great night's sleep, and the next thing you know, I wake up at 3.30, and then my the brain clicked on, and I'm thinking, here we go again. And I sat there, saying, God, what's going on? I really want to get some sleep. But all these different issues that I'm walking through and working through came to mind, and it was unsettling. And then I cried out to God, and I said, Lord, help me. And notice what the psalmist does here. It says, I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Has His unfailing love vanished forever? Has His promise failed for all time? 
Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? We ask those questions. And hear me clearly, it's okay to ask those questions. In the midst of the trials that you're experiencing, in the midst of wondering if these empires will ever be toppled, in the midst of feeling overwhelmed with the task that's before you, it's okay to ask questions saying, God, where's your love in the midst of this? Verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out His right hand, I will remember the deeds of Yahweh. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and they writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Whatever the present, whatever the trial is that you're experiencing right now, remember that God is with you in the midst of it. That's what Haggai's people needed to know. They needed to know as they were rebuilding this temple that it was going to be difficult. And as they were rebuilding that temple, no matter how difficult it was, they could cry out to God and God would say, I'm right here with you. There have been times as we've gone through this Haggai project here where I've cried out to God and said, remind me, remind me that you're here in the midst of what we're experiencing. And God does that very thing. We are to remember His presence. And then God switches it in verse 23. And He says this, Remember your purpose. Listen to verse 23. On that day, declares Yahweh Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares Yahweh, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares Yahweh Almighty. For Zerubbabel, as the leader of this people, it would be easy for him to think that his entire purpose is to make sure that these people in exile are going to make it from one day to the next. But God says, Zerubbabel, don't be that small-minded. Don't keep your focus so small-minded. Remember, I have big things in store for you. I have a purpose that is far greater than what you're experiencing right now. No matter what's happening in your life, you have purpose. No matter if you're a student going through school and you're wondering, what's the point of all this? The purpose is to grow you, to lead you, to use you as a witness in your school. Perhaps you're in a job that you absolutely do not enjoy at all. And considering the fact that that a survey says that 80% of all people hate their jobs... It's a pretty safe statement. There are people in this room that do not like their job. But even if you don't like your job, you're still called to live out your purpose. What is that purpose? That purpose is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. 
Perhaps you're retired and you're thinking, this is going to be great. It's going to be all sunshine, rainbows, bonbons, and watching TV. Your purpose doesn't change because you're retired. Your purpose opens up to the fact that you can be involved in all these different types of ministries, perhaps at a Confidence Pregnancy Center, perhaps with Victory Mission, whatever the case may be, perhaps in, in ministry here at the church. Your purpose remains the same. God is at work all the time. And he reminds Zerubbabel of his purpose. The Lord reminds us today that you always have a purpose. There's never a moment in the day when you don't have purpose. We have purpose because God gives us that purpose. That's what he says here when he says at the very end of verse 23, he says, for I have chosen you. I've chosen you for a purpose. I've equipped you for a purpose. Those of you that participated in Rob's spiritual gifts class, don't think that those spiritual gifts that you have are all for you. They are to be used for God's purpose of expanding the kingdom. That's what it's to be about. And so Zerubbabel is this leader helping the people as they battle through the exile. But I find it odd what he says to Zerubbabel. He says, I will make you like my signet ring. That catches me off guard every time. But as I was thinking about this and as I was researching this, things began to make clear in my mind what's going on here. And it starts with this. Rings always mean something. They always mean something. On the screen, you're going to see a ring right now. You should get there. And you might not be able to see it over here, but this ring is known as the CTF Pink Diamond Ring. Last year, or actually, yeah, it was a little over, it was about a year ago, this ring sold at auction for $71.2 million. Now, i got to tell you, Susie and I were talking about this, and Susie said, I wish Kevin would have got me one of those. That is not what she said. That's what I wish she would have said. It would have made the illustration work a lot better. But Susie said to me, and I thought this was very interesting, she said, I would not be able to wear that ring. Reason being is because it's, it's, you'd be so preoccupied with, with this ring on your hand, you're going to think, if something happens to this, if I lose it, it isn't like, hey, can you go get me another one? When Dawn and I exchanged rings on August 10th, 1991, it was after we exchanged vows. And we exchanged rings, and those rings are, are, are there for a purpose. It's to remind us of the vows that we exchanged that day. And yes, there are times when I take off my ring. Dawn and I might be on a date or eating dinner. I'll take off my ring, and I'll spin it like a top on the table. She doesn't like that very much. You would think after 20... Seven years of marriage, I would stop doing that, but I don't. So, I'm, I'm with you, Daryl. I feel your pain. So, But there you have it. But this ring reminds me, every single time, of the vows that Don and I exchanged. When God says to Zerubbabel, you will be like my signet ring, 
He's pointing to this, that this signet ring, and it means a variety of things, but in the context of this, in light of the fact that God is talking about all these different empires that are going to come tumbling down, what God is talking about to Zerubbabel at this time is, this ring that you will be symbolizes my authority in your life. Symbolizes that you have the authority that I've given you. You have the authority to, to go through this chaotic exile. And as you go through this, as you go through this chaotic exile where things don't always work out, you have the authority to know that I am right there with you. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to share this authority, to share my authority with people because what people need isn't some other crazy time in their life. What they need is my stabilizing authority that reaches into their chaos and says, I'm going to take care of you. God gives us, those in Christ, His authority. His authority to share Him with other people. And this authority, what is this authority all about? Listen to how powerful this authority is. We find this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Listen to this. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, notice this next line, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power, the same authority that rests within us. As Christ followers, whatever your addiction, whatever your trial, whatever your hang-up, whatever it may very well be, whatever your circumstances are, he's saying this is Zerubbabel, whatever's going on, I've given you authority, my authority to make it through, whatever's going on in your life, whatever heartache, whatever great thing's going on, he's given you the authority to not be a victim, but to say, Lord Jesus Christ, carry me through this. And He will. That very same power, that very same authority is available to those who place their trust in Jesus Christ. The trials are real. The trials that we experience in the midst of change are real. The temptations we experience along the way are real. But the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is far more greater, far more powerful than any of those things that I've just listed. We, as, as, as a church here, have an opportunity every single day, every single moment, to claim His authority that we aren't victims, that we can be His people and we continue to be His people, sharing His great news with people far and wide. He wants to do that in our lives. We remember His presence, we remember our purpose, and lastly, we remember the future. As we read through these verses, and I already alluded to it once, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I'm going to. He says that numerous times here. What's incredibly important for us to realize is this. As we go through life, we need to remember the future. We need to remember that this is not our home. That there will be a day when everything's changed. There will be a day when God reigns supreme over all creation. As you look at this passage, we're talking about a people that is in exile, that talking about a people that is overwhelmed with the Roman authority around them, or the, I'm sorry, the Persian Empire around them. 
And it's real easy to forget that God is in the midst of this situation. That God is at work even when we don't see Him. Zerubbabel is a name that we struggle to say. Not only do we struggle to say it, but perhaps we even struggle to know why in the world do we even care about this guy? We remember the future. God made a promise to the people long ago that there would be a ruler in the line of David. That the Messiah would need to walk in that line of David. That the Messiah, one of the requirements is you are in the line of David. And so all of these people throughout history, God continues to raise up. And we come to this guy named Zerubbabel. We come to this book, Haggai, that just only covers a grand total of, I think, five or six months in the entire history of the Israelite people. And we read this name a few times in this, in this book. And we wonder, why, why, why? Listen to these words from Matthew chapter 1. And perhaps this will tell you why. Starting at verse 12. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok. And we're going to go all the way down and listen to this verse in verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Zerubbabel, a name that's difficult to say, is in the line of David. And God says to the people in Haggai's day that this ruler is here, and he's not a figurehead. He has purpose, and the purpose is to point you forward to this amazing future. And also in this passage back in Haggai, he talks about shaking the heavens and the earth. And there will be a day, and there was a day, to quote Jerry Lee Lewis, where a whole lot of shaking was going on. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, and listen to this. Starting at verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on his staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, 
Surely He was the Son of God. That day where the earth shook changed everything. Empires came crumbling down. The empire that Satan thought that he had complete control of came tumbling down because Jesus Christ on the third day rose from the dead. You see, these words that we read in Haggai's book, it's so easy to think, well, that's an Old Testament thing. That's a, that's a prophet. It was just a minuscule period of time in the course of history. But in the midst of that minuscule time, God reminds the people that He is still present, that He still gives us purpose, that He still has a future for us. And He says to all of us today that God's presence is now open for everyone to participate in. That it's our responsibility, that it's our privilege to get involved in the purpose that He's called us to. And perhaps in your life right now, your life needs to be shaken up. You've scheduled your life so well that you've scheduled God out of it. And perhaps God's saying, I need to shake it up. I need to shake it up so that you can participate in your purpose. Does your life perhaps need to be shaken up because you doubt His authority, His power to do the work that only He can do? To rescue from your addictions, to rescue you from from the anxieties, to rescue you from the concerns that you have. We have a God who says, I want to get in there and I want to do the work that only I can do. And perhaps for all of us, we need this reminder. That no matter what's going on, whether it be a sanctuary renovation or the renovation in our very own lives, that there will be a day when He says it is finished. I welcome you home. May we rest in the beauty and the grace of Jesus Christ as He does His work. May we not think that any that may we not think that what's going on in your life doesn't matter. He's called us for a purpose, and that purpose is to share the great victory that is found in Jesus Christ, the one who shook the heavens and the earth to rescue us today. Father, we pray now as we contemplate these words. We would ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in our midst. Lord, I know this to be true. That we get caught up in so many different things that we go right past you. And so we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would stop us in our tracks. And that you would take the authority in our lives. And that you would build us as you desire us to be built. For those in this room that are struggling with purpose, we pray, I pray, that you would remind them of their purpose. That you would remind them that you have them here for a reason, and that reason is to share your great news with those in their lives. Lord, have mercy on us, a people that oftentimes wakes up in the middle of the night wondering what's going on. A people that when we awaken in the middle of the night need to be reminded 
that you're still God, that you're still on the throne, and that you're not done with us yet. Lord, lead us forward for you and the kingdom. May we be that signet ring that proclaims your kingdom, your authority in the lives, and not only our lives, but in the lives of so many others that need you. Do your work, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand now as we sing a couple more songs and reflect on what we've heard this morning, not only in song, but in, in God's word.